Hello, my name is Mark Green. I'm the mission champion at the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Welcome to the TGIM Thank God It's Monday podcast, where we explore how Jesus works in and through his people in a whole variety of jobs and sectors. In this episode, the pearls of wisdom and the diamonds of insight uh, will be coming from two people who have been in the rescue business for some time. John Templeman, who is the chairman of Witten Story Systems, who's made a career of rescuing ailing and failing companies. And Micah Wright, who's eight years into a career in a restructuring consultancy. As you might imagine, um, looking at businesses which are under pressure and with people under pressure, one of our themes will be resilience and the other one will be building trust. As ever, shalom and welcome to you both. As you know, in this podcast, this is the podcast where you get to ask each other questions. <laughs> but hold your inner Paxman for a moment. Uh, let, me, let me kick off, if I may. Micah, you're a senior associate in a restructuring consultancy. I am indeed. What does that mean? What do you do? So essentially, um, we're advising companies and banks often on sort of banks will make loans to companies and those companies often find themselves in distress. So we give them the options of what they need to do. So it could be a sale of a business. It could be that they sort of restructure or you sell certain parts of the business off. Um, they might have a turnaround in fortunes that the bank needs to assess. So there's loads of different things that might happen. Or sadly, they might just formally um, go into insolvency processes. So there's different things that that can, or forms that can take in terms of our advice. Mm -hmm. And what do you like about it? So I think it's, um, what I do now is, obviously there is a consultancy aspect to it, but it's got quite good sort of technical underpinnings and right. so you need to know how to navigate through sort of insolvency regulation and law um you have to deal with people and often people who people. are yeah um <laughs> which is an unfamiliar um uh, feature of a lot of people's work but yeah and um, people sometimes at their worst or under a lot of stress so the ability to be able to speak into that situation and have an impact on them personally is quite important too any joy in that for you? Personally, yes. Um, yeah, the ability to actually say something and it be taken on is really important. I think often people end up, they might, there might be an investment proposal or a project and you have to write a big report on what it is and you don't know whether it's just going to land on someone's desk and not be read forever. Whilst in this, it needs to, action has to be taken. So you really feel like you make a difference and that what you're doing is important. So I think that it has got some merits. Well, I wasn't saying it didn't have any merits. Oh, Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I was just interested in what you, yeah. you were enjoying. Clearly, rescuing companies is not a bad thing to do. Is that, so there's a joy in, in, in just... What I'm hearing is there's just a joy in, actually, yeah. this, this work is going somewhere. Yes, yeah. And, and in terms of satisfaction from that, I mean, do you, have you had some moments when you thought, yeah, well um, done, good and faithful, Micah? Yeah, they're often balanced out by um, <laughs> dissatisfaction or things don't go well. Oh, um, right, okay. I mean, yeah. The reason that we're involved is because things aren't going well and they often tend to it not be in the result that everyone would like. But when you can get it right and when things are sort of salvageable, then yes, I mean, you can, you, you know, jobs are rescued and you know, directors are you know, in a better position. Banks feel like they can get sort of 
out or their exposure is limited. So yeah, there's good things there as well. Well, we'll probably dive down a bit deeper into some of those things yeah. in, in a moment. But talking about salvageable and helping people out, John, just give us a, a snapshot of your, of your career. So when I left university, I trained as an accountant with Deloitte's that became Coopers and Lybrand that became PwC, uh, very much convicted that I wanted to be a Christian in business, and that's a conviction that's only grown over time. Um, I stayed there for about 16 years in the end, right. had a great time jetting all around the world, particularly in North America, uh, but also quite a bit to Europe. Um, I was in a different area to Micah, doing mainly transaction support work. Um, then I went off to join a group called Charter, uh, which was a group in a lot of trouble. And in fact, we were dealing with people like Micah's predecessors, who we viewed as the enemy, funnily enough. <laughs> um, and uh, I was just asked by the chairman to come and help him do a, do a review of what was going on, new chairman, great guy called David Gawler. And basically, I spent the next three or four months just being his bag carrier, going around the world, learning a lot about wines of the world, <laughs> but also um, uh, you know, learning from a great turnaround specialist. Uh, I then took over as CFO of the main operating business of a group, a business called ESAB. Uh, I spent a year out in Sweden, in Gothenburg, lovely place. I ate lots of herring. Um, <laughs> the wine isn't so good in Sweden, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's expensive. Um, and uh, basically doing fundamental turnaround stuff, so mm. cash management, reducing working capital, restructuring type deal. And then I sort of fell into being a CEO, if I'm honest, um, in a Lebanese restaurant, nine o'clock one night. Um, David Gawler <laughs> just said, you know, well, JT, you're the only person I trust. How about taking on being being CEO of ESAB, this this quite large welding business? Um, so I said yes. We did a rescue rights issue, got people like Micah off our back, um, and uh, then is this triggering you? Him being yeah. here this morning, it's, <laughs> it's going to be okay. He's a big bloke as well, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> and, and and then I spent uh, over twenty years basically ru running manufacturing businesses, businesses that, that start off with problems, but then. I, with the help of my teams, et cetera, have been able to stabilize and turn into fast-growing businesses. And I've just moved on to take over as chairman of the group, where, which I was running as CEO. Now, obviously, I don't know the inside of these businesses, but you know, the sort of word on the street mm. is that um, being a CEO in manufacturing is pretty brutal. And being a CEO in manufacturing business that's kind of in trouble is probably even more brutal. Um, True? Is that true? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty true. Plan <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for punishment. Be, 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 being a CEO in itself, in, in, in whatever context, is actually quite hard for two reasons. One, because you're always on show, and that's particularly hard for a Christian. You know, the, the good thing is you get to set the tone from the top, but the disadvantage is you can never drop your guard. And I'm, it, you know, I'm not a perfect person you know this may come as a shock but I get things wrong and you're immediately mm. held to account secondly it's a pretty lonely mm. place to be you know yes you hopefully you have a supportive chairman and gradually you mold your own team but when it comes down to it strategy governance talent management 
customer relationships, ultimately the buck stops with me. So, you know, it's, it, it can be pretty hard and that's why a support network outside is important. Um, manufacturing itself is a difficult area to be, particularly in the UK, uh, without being overly political about it, there's been no effective industrial strategy for as long as I can remember. Um, so a lot of companies in this country are underinvested, uh, both in terms of people as well as machinery and automation. Um, and it's been a fairly tough place to be because you haven't got the breaks that other industries, you know, tax breaks, incentives, mm. that other, other industries have enjoyed. So it's been, uh, it's been a challenging ride, but very fulfilling for a lot of the same reasons that Micah pointed out. Yeah. So what makes for, um, you know, a good CEO in this? What, what, what do you think you really need as, as a CEO, but as a Christian CEO in this kind of context? Yeah. success. Um, well, there, there, there are some obvious things like, um, you know, you, you, you need intellectually to be able to deal with a wide range of complex issues, deal with them all at once and prioritise. But the bigger qualities, I would say, are, you know, you mentioned resilience to start with. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you work in turnaround, there are going to be situations which where the business is in crisis where there are really tough, pressurised situations. And you've got to be able to get through that. Um, and that's particular, I, for, for, for me, that's where God has come in to a lot of what I've done. Just being able to pray, go back and talk to my family, talk to friends, and actually think there is something outside of this, this very difficult situation. Other things that are key, honesty. You've got to tell people as it is. Yes, you know, you can, you can craft a message, but ultimately they've got to understand what the problems are and what you intend to do about them. So you've got to give them some hope as well. And then following on from that is integrity. You know, if you say you're going to do something, you've got to do it. And don't ask people to do stuff that you wouldn't be prepared to do yourself. I think those are those are probably the big things that are key. And oh, I mean, in terms of succession boundaries, and because obviously you said yeah. it's quite a lonely road, and it must be quite easy to just get so engrossed in something that at the, at the sacrifice of everything else going on in your life. So I guess how do you set boundaries yourself? And I suppose now that you're transition in into like the chairman role mm. how do you set boundaries for other people if they may not feel able to do that yeah that's a really good question for for, for me it's never been so much of an issue mm. because of of the importance to me of my faith and my family so i've always made sure or tried to make sure anyway that i've prayed regularly that I've not let my reading of the Bible slip. Um, I've had a prayer partner for 15 years who I continue to pray with. I've had good friends, people actually like Mark and a couple of other my, of my friends who have been useful, um, helpful people to talk to who understand my world but have, you know, can offer a different perspective and help me maybe to lift my eyes up from the immediate. Mm. I think the, the other thing I always tell myself is that the job's going to end at some point, mm. but my family and faith are, God willing, going to carry on forever. Um, so you know, just, just making sure 
that, for example, I was there for all my children's birthdays, for their prize givings or performances in shows. I've got three. John has 19 children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got three daughters. I've got three, three daughters who love to perform, and sometimes they even act. Um, <laughs> Very talented. Uh, so, yeah, and, and things like with, with my wife, making sure that I was there for anniversaries on holidays, making sure that I was really disciplined about, you know, yes, I've checked my phone a couple of times. It goes with the territory. You can't be out of contact um, and deal with urgent emails mm. or take urgent calls, but not as as some people do, I know, do three or four hours of emails on holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, when we were talking, you, yeah. you've also had your challenges of a slightly different nature, but yeah. all our challenges are our challenges um, in your, you know, career, you know, 20s. Yeah. So do you want to say something about how you've navigated those, what some of those have been? Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, so I think like for me, um, it's been like quite a weird, difficult start, I suppose, to my career. I think, John, you also did accountancy exams um, and I had a really rough time of it, to be honest. Um, and that they made things quite difficult um, and yeah being in positions where you want to sort of progress and move on and feeling like what am I doing potentially here like, where am I going um, so I think what John was saying have, having faith so central to the purpose of you being at work mm. allows you to see beyond that and I'm married as well um, you know I've got stuff that is keeping me sort of sane and giving me a drive and a purpose beyond work. And the risk is, I think, if you allow work to overtake your life and it doesn't particularly go well, then what is the reason almost for living? It becomes that mm. stark and almost dark in many ways. Mm. So I think for me, that's been the big thing. Um, but yeah, I think on the topic of resilience, um, I've thought quite a few, few thoughts on what that actually means. And I think it's quite complicated. Um, Do you want to give us some of them or are you yeah, going to sure. withhold I that mean, for another podcast? I don't know whether I want to. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to start rambling. Um, so I think beforehand, I just used to think that resilience and loyalty or sort of blind, sort of just keeping on going, yeah, yeah. were synonymous. Um, so if you had a job that you didn't necessarily enjoy, you would just keep going on with it. Um, even to the like detriment of yourself and others. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of wisdoms, I don't have a sort of a solution, but I think a lot of wisdom is required um, that you might find yourself in a position where it's really, really difficult, uh, but you might see that there are people in that role who God has a plan for, or you can see God working in that. And you think, oh, you know, that helps me kind of stay there. Mm. Or the fact that some adversity might generate character in you and you see yourself growing and that's really important um i know for other people they might find themselves in positions where they are not able to basically be effective for god and um, for mm -hmm. a variety of reasons and i think it's trying to distinguish between the two that there might be some environments where it may not be great and others that it's not great but there's a purpose still and there's something for you to do and you're able to flourish um, and talking to other people, praying a lot about it, um, reading and understanding what God's will is. I think I think of Romans 12, about like by testing, we may discern what's good, acceptable and perfect. Mm. I think that's just trying to figure things out. It's not always easy and clear cut. And I think we assume that we'll just pray one morning and you'll be told or 
a job offer will come through and that's often not the case I, yeah in my opinion so what other what what else has got you through what's what else has kind of has god provided for you obviously you know the prayer the sense yeah of your wife and people around you yes i think i think that is like the biggest thing um family obviously for those who are fortunate to have really good support networks in that way um are just absolutely crucial um i think myself being honest um and sort of being able to um, articulate exactly how I'm feeling and what I'm going through because people can't be involved unless they know what's going on and how right. you're feeling and where you want to go. Um, and for me, like work is kind of work and I don't like to talk about it like a great deal. And my wife would be like, how's your day? And it would always be fine. I think we all kind of have that. And <laughs> fine, we think darling. you wouldn't ever understand sort of thing despite her also in full-time work. Um, so I think that's the first thing. Um, knowing when to ask for help um, as well, I think it's basically just an issue of pride um, that you just don't feel like you should ask for help. Um, and it's actually something that's really important that I needed to do more. Um, and I think I think the final thing is just like mentorship. So having, I think in my last job, like having people, despite finding things difficult, having someone like senior who really sees you and invests in you can change the game completely yeah. um and that encouragement i think actually a lot of people need a lot of encouragement and it's maybe something i'm worried about with a lot of people working from home is that you don't necessarily get that um face-to-face yeah. -face interaction where people are really invested in you and, and part of it is about learning isn't it as, mm. as you go along as, as you experience difficult situations it's, it's working out what works and what doesn't but also understanding that you can get through even when it's when it's really tough you know mm. you are going to come outside you know are, are you a reflector do you think about what's happened uh i am an over reflector probably <laughs> i think um, i have a really bad habit of just tutting through the day because i'm reminded of something that i should have done or didn't do like even so yeah i do um reflect a lot mm. um, but yeah that is a really helpful like and counting your blessings, understanding how God's taking you through certain things as well, and allowing you to almost um, overlay that onto your current circumstances and say, actually, there is, like as John was saying, that there is a way forward, um, but may not seem or might, may not be what you most expect it to be, I think is quite a key point. Yeah, just um, listening to one of the things that strikes me is that, is that word uh, courage, to be honest. Mm. I think, you know, we think it's easy to be honest about our emotions. Actually, mm. you know, it's taken me a, a long time. Sometimes I, you know, be reflecting on my day and I won't write down what I really felt because I don't, mm. I don't want, you know, God knows what I'm thinking. Well, why, why can't you write it in your journal? Because then it, these evil thoughts that I've had, they become real. So I'm not really being honest with myself. And I think actually emotional courage, it's one of the things that the Psalms potentially give us mm. if we say, well, if David can say this, I can say this too, yeah. even though I might have to repent mm. immediately, immediately afterwards, uh, which I often have to do. Well, it's brilliant, um, if that doesn't sound patronising, <laughs> that you're communing with God so much. Have you, and, and you're talking to him about it, which obviously it's its, it's own strengthening, isn't it? Just yeah. having someone who, to talk to. Mm. Um, but have you actually sort of seen him, if you like, w working in and through you? Have you seen some answers to prayer, specific ones? or Yeah. How does that? So um, I think two things. Like, firstly, um, yeah, like a specific example, there's been times, I guess, in my career where you've 
like clashed with people or people have been quite harsh, often the people who are more senior or managing you and it's really difficult and you have months where you just feel like they're very overly critical or they're not, that they basically don't like you. And um, I've had, a, you know, one or two examples of that and being able to like pray and pray for them as well right. helps like a great deal. I mean, this, they were, had, I had great results after being able to be honest and sort of tell them how I was feeling and speaking to other people and having them have an input into that as well. And being able to see eye to eye again, I think those have been a massive answer to prayer. Um, and yeah, I have certain people in mind where I'm not best friends with them, but we just work well again and we understand, and there's that trust I think, which is there. Um, and understand as well that a lot of the time it's not really that personal. It's just people have other things going on and trying to understand that and meet them there is yeah, really, really important. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and this person had like I said, come in as a partner and had lots of stuff going on with his old work and you know, certain things around pay, I suppose, and lots of different things like that. Um, and so was really, really stressed about hitting certain sort of targets and doing certain jobs right. Um, and I think understanding that and being able to see it and do something about it, yeah, just made a whole a world of difference. Um, and the second point, I think seeing God working through me in my career, it's easy to feel a little bit um, unaccomplished, I suppose, when you think, oh, I've not really left much of an impact in these places that I've been, and no one's really gotten to know Jesus personally um, and I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves I think mm -hmm. um, in terms of our evangelism in the workplace not to say that we shouldn't do it but to say that it, it, God can raise other people up to continue the work that you're doing and you are a vital but small piece in the broader puzzle um, and the broader sort of scheme and journey and God is at work and I think that's the pride bit of it again like you think that you're the only person that is able to do that and you're the savior for this person and without yeah. you they're kind of just left alone and nowhere to go yes when you leave the company they're all they're yeah. all going to be eternally separated from god yeah yeah and, and it's your fault yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you can really use it to beat yourself up about it but yeah. it's in god's hands yeah it's very 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 wise very wise i mean i mean there's a sort of i'm trying to remember being uh, around your age but it's, it's a different dynamic isn't it when you're in your 20s yes more people are you know they're single or they're newly married you know mm. there's a slightly different dynamic to all of that it's much a bit more social yes how do you how do you sort of think about conversations so that is really really hard so i think two points on that firstly i've already mentioned but the whole covid dynamic and work from home socials are less frequent i'd say and being able to have everyone in the office to do something is difficult when they do happen, then often the conversation is mostly about work, mostly about other people in work, and then a little bit of just joking and whatever. So it's fine, it can be quite fun, but it's very superficial. And to go anywhere below that is almost impossible. So I've found that actually having the ability to go for a drink or a meal with one or two people yeah. has been the most fruitful where we've actually been able to talk about things honestly um, and not pretend to be something that we're not. Um, 
So that would definitely be my advice is that, yeah, being able to speak to people one-on-one, maybe one or two is the yeah. ideal situation. Yeah. And it's about showing a different way of doing things, isn't mm. it? And, you know, like, like you, I, I can count the number of sort of directly evangelistic conversations that I've had yeah. over for, you know, 40 years in the workplace on the fingers of one hand. Yeah. But by uh, modelling a new way of being human, a different way, you know, you, you hope at least you're providing a signpost. I find that particularly important when people are having a really rough time. First of all, however busy you are, yes. the key is to stop and actually listen um, and work out what's really going on and take, but take a genuine interest. Um, and it's a bit like the Apostle Peter says, isn't it? You know, when someone asks you a question, answer it mm. with respect and patience. Mm. Not necessarily, particularly as a CEO, you can't necessarily, you know, stand up and do a Billy Graham type address and say, you know, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a Christian and you need Jesus Christ, you know, which we all know they do. Yeah. But um, be better to try and do it by but by modelling a different way of being a, 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 a Christian in business. A, a, a favourite um, writer of mine is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and when he talks about cheap grace, mm. you know, trying to get away from the idea that it's, 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 it's just an, an easy believism. It's got to make a difference to actually how you live, however imperfectly, on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes. As you know, John, I've been to two, visited two of your sites in two different companies. So uh, lucky man, I'm very lucky. I mean, I was hoping. Unfortunately, the samples were just too big for me to get any. But um, one of the things I noticed is is um, people's posture towards you, um, and I think uh, one of your gifts as a, a CEO, really, which is they used to say was quite rare. In, in British management was the ability to engage with people from all walks of life, from all backgrounds. You know, British managers tend to be better with managing office workers <laughs> than they do people who are making things and who are delivering things and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, where do you think that's come from for you? Well, for, first of all, I'd say that's an absolutely crucial point for, for a CEO to be able to relate to a whole variety of people. I think partly it comes from my background, so, you know, we, we were from a poor family. I come from a council house. Uh, we didn't have any money. We were patronised and treated fairly rudely, frankly. We, we would have been called a family on benefits in today's world. Um, and then, you know, I was, I was helped by some very interesting and supportive people who got me going. I think the other thing, because I was short of money, I spent the year between school and university working in a whole variety of jobs, not least a number of factories, um, which gave me an insight really into how people were treated who were just doing everyday jobs. And I never forgot that. It was probably the best preparation training I ever did for a, for a CEO. And I think it's particularly important for Christians that you, know, you have to steer clear of any discrimination. You've got to treat everybody with respect and, and courtesy and I've worked with some people who have been great role models of that um, so uh, and others who who really haven't got the message but 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 for me that's a critical part of being a Christian in business interesting is it um, the, the the company service master which you may be familiar with, it's an American company mm. and it just absolutely mushroomed in growth uh, 
and basic cleaning company. So it's our source cleaning company. And the key thing for them for their first 40 years when it was an amazingly successful company mm. was actually this focus on the honor and dignity of the person and the honor and value and dignity of the work that they were doing. And any executive that joined that company had to spend six weeks cleaning. Mm. Mm. And it was really interesting that uh, what they learned, I remember talking um, to, to the CEO, he, you know, and he, he said, you know, what you learn is that you're invisible. Mm. And, and you just, you're just not there. Mm. People completely, you know, they kind of ignore you. You, you don't exist and your, your job is menial, however well you, you do it. And he, what he wanted everybody in his management team to, to feel it yeah. and, and to know that yeah. and then to take that into their management. And aside from the Christian witness, commercially, it's very important. I mean, I, I, early on in my career as a CEO, I visited the Unipart facility in um, Oxford. Uh, so Unipart's run by John Neal. He's a great industrial visionary. And I went for a walk around the factory, and it was very impressive. Japanese lean manufacturing years ahead of most of the stuff that I'd seen. But the thing that really impressed me was I talked to a guy who was pushing some bolts around, um, filling up the Kanban system, as they were called, and I was just chatting away to him, and he was able to articulate the Unipart vision and what his part was, and I thought, that is amazing. I'm going to aspire to that mm -hmm. yeah. when I go out and uh, have to lead my businesses. Mm -hmm. I know you've been talking a lot, can I ask you another question right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> I, um, when you when you l listen to somebody like Micah mm. talking about um, his um, capacity and desire, if you like, to put himself in his boss's shoes, mm. you know, it's quite that's that's in a sense, quite something in a way. You know, I'm thinking about this other person. I'm thinking about their interests. I'm thinking mm. about what's going on in their life. I don't know everything. There's a level of compassion kind of thing. Is there, is there any um, advice that you would give, you know, a, a, budding, a budding restructuralist, <laughs> if that's the right word? Uh, I think actually... Managing up? Yeah, I, 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 I think, Micah, you've already made the main point, which mm. is you've got to engage in dialogue. Mm. Do, doing a mind read and thinking, oh, this person doesn't like me or, you know, they're, they're being unfair or, or whatever, that will only lead to negative feelings. Mm. If you've got a problem with somebody or they've got a problem with you, the best thing is to sit down and talk about it. And in my experience, nine times out of ten, it isn't really a problem. It's exactly what you were saying. It was, you know, they've, they're having a difficult time in their personal life. And I'm sure, as I look back at my time as a CEO, there have been times of what I would describe of crisis mm -hmm. where I don't think I was necessarily the most patient mm -hmm. and listening individual um, because you're thinking, you know, I've got all this stuff on my plate. Mm -hmm. um, how am I going to deal with it? So I just carry on with the talking it through. Mm. Any comment on that? No, I think it makes um, a lot of sense. Is it? I guess on when you are in that as a period of crisis, um, is it quite difficult if someone does say we need to talk to sort of think, oh, I'm really busy. This isn't quite the priority here. I'd, I'd say I've got better over the years with experience at mm. 
either saying, yeah, by all means, let's go and talk, because sometimes it can be useful to take a bit of a break, or I'm not going to talk to you right now because I haven't got time, mm -hmm. but let's sit down at six o'clock or let's go and have a coffee at lunchtime. Um, so I, I, I think I probably wasn't as good at that at the start of my career, but, but I hope I've learned. And is it, I guess sometimes you're going to have to have a conversation where you just say, like, this isn't quite working and we're not on the same page. And I guess that's going to be quite difficult, but mm. how do you sort of go about doing that? Yeah, uh, having those sort of conversations is some of the most difficult stuff you do as a CEO. It depends really what the context is. If, if it's a performance management conversation, mm. so you're... You, you, you think somebody's got the talent and the skills, mm. but they're not really performing. That That's one thing. You look at that as a developmental conversation. Mm. If it's somebody who really doesn't get the picture or doesn't share the values of the team, mm. that, that, then, it's, then it's much more difficult. But the only way to do it is to be straight, and as Mark just referred to in the end, to treat people with respect. I mean, in, in each of the jobs that I've done so far, I've had to reformat the executive board, for example. Mm. So cut down the size, change people's roles, and sadly, in a lot of cases, change people. Mm. Because the one thing that's absolutely key, in, in any senior leadership team, you need a mixture of skills, but what you can't mix are values. You've got to have people who buy into the fundamental vision of what you're trying to do and are prepared to act with honesty and integrity. Because it's no good me building trust mm. if somebody in the next office is flitting it away. Mm. So, and, and, and being able to judge that character of individuals, that's a, that's a really key skill. Um, and so, sometimes, you know, your first impressions can be completely wrong. So you have to be careful. But again, it's a question of experience. Over the years, you get to tell, you know, people that you can trust, people who really are only interested in it for themselves, people playing the political game, etc. Got another question as well. Got another question. I do. Go, go for them. Go, go on. Um, um, I mean, on the subject of having, like, difficult conversations and being straightforward and honest, um, Often, I think we kind of exist on the margins, right? Where a decision can have a really sort of fundamental effect mm. on a business, and we all, as humans, make mistakes. How do we um, communicate if we have made a mistake, or it doesn't even have to necessarily be a mistake of our own sort of competency that mm. you know, the market's changed or something's happened, and yeah. what you're trying to do before hasn't quite been realised? Um, and therefore, you have to make adjustments off the basis of that. And how do you have those conversations? For me, I've never had a problem apologising. Mm. If I think I've got something wrong, I would happily say that. If we as a business have got something wrong, and there's one particular instance <laughs> which sticks in my mind, where, um, where my technical director miscalculated on a particular piece of engineering, and this was on a $5 billion project of which our share was only about $15 million. But if we got it wrong, the whole thing didn't work. Mm. And what he tried to do 
their technical director was go and tell them that it was going to work anyway. Mm. So in the end, I had to fly to Monaco. Okay, no hardship. Yeah. Um, and go, F1 go, weekend. No, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a petrol head. Um, and go and explain to them that we've got the calculations wrong. This was a really serious situation. Could we work together to sort it out? Mm. Now, after the initial couple of hours of absolute anger, <laughs> which I didn't blame them for, <laughs> they then quietened down. We had a very constructive conversation and we did get to a good solution that worked. And the oral platform is still working today, 10 years on. Fantastic. I have Let no further submissions. You, you have no further submissions. <laughs> no. So you're welcome. There's just a bit more time before we you know, press the buzzer. Yeah. I'm now going to ask him the question I asked you a little Go while ago, it, yeah. which is, John, so um, lots of things have happened, and obviously uh, over the years, but um, any particular answers to prayer, if you like, directly? You know, you, you're praying all the time, God is shaping you and so on, and Ruth, your wife, has been tremendously supportive, and you, you've mentioned those things, but yeah. any, any you know, moments when you said... You know, the Lord God Almighty is intervening here. Yes, I, I would say on a number of occasions, but two specific things that I can think of. And I, I would say it's really a sense of peace amongst either a very difficult decision or a very difficult situation. So one time I was um, dealing with some equipment that had been impounded in a port in Shanghai, actually, um, in China, we were looking to set up a new factory just outside Shanghai, and it was obvious that the port authorities were looking for a bribe. It was in the early days of business expansion in China. And we had a board meeting about what to do, and my then chairman suggested we just paid. We paid the bribe. And without thinking, I just slammed, slammed my hand on the table and said, no, we don't do that. Um, but then going away afterwards, I was pretty worried. Um, partly because I thought, you know, okay, I'm very strong on business ethics, but is the rest of the team with me? Mm -hmm. Which actually they were, as it turned out. Um, but also, you know, I felt that I'd messed up my career mm -hmm. as the chairman. Now, actually, the chairman ended up leaving in an ignominious fashion um, and I came up with a plan that just involved explaining to the um, mayor of the local town where we were building our factory that um, you know if, if he didn't release our equipment he wouldn't get the jobs or the tax revenues that he was planning on or the investment and how was he going to explain that to his party bosses and funnily <laughs> enough the equipment was there the next day yeah, um, I mean the, the, the other occasion I can think of was a really really difficult situation um, that, that I faced where really there were several crises all at once there was a fraud that we thought was relatively small but turned out to be a major fraud. At the same time, we had this issue that I was referring to where the technical director had lied, basically, as well as we had a major, major issue on another project. And our parent company were not at all happy, as you might imagine. So I can remember going home and, and talking to Ruth, my wife, and saying, you know, I don't know what to do here. Um, and actually there, praying about it and God intervening, mm -hmm. 
to provide a real sense of peace and calm and also you know a, a plan just to say right well this is how we need to do it we'll do this for this that for that we won't deal with that at the minute because we can't or deal with it next week and just and just coming up with a clear plan but within the sense of serene peace i'd say that's where i've seen god at work the most directly mm. peace in the storm mm. Mm. in a sense the peace that passes understanding yeah. the lord is near you bring your request to him uh, with a thankful heart that, yeah and wonderful um so question for you um when you think about the bible or mm. or people in the bible or books of the bible or events in the bible <laughs> plenty of scope here um oh. what what have what's been significant for you as you know for your working life have there been any people or verses that have been shaping you or helping you as you've i think it is i mentioned that romans 12 two verse and i think it is that transformation of the mind and from that point um yeah figuring things out um i i've just often fallen into the trap of thinking that things are very clear but actually realizing that if it were to be clear i wouldn't need god and the complexity of certain things means that i need to rely on god more not less and right. so i think that's been a really big thing that there's certain Yes, you always think that when you go into business, there's going to be a time when someone says, we need you to I don't know, steal this money or we need you to sort of sneak something through. And that does often happen, but a lot of the time it's a little bit more insidious than that. And you have decisions that you need to make which may not quite seem on the surface to be unethical or may, and you got to have the discernment and the wisdom and ultimately you need to be praying and understanding that, um, which is really important. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Yes. Yeah. Romans, can't go wrong with Romans, can you? <laughs> Probably the rest of the Bible either, by the way. Yeah. Other books of the Bible are available. Uh, John, how about you? Any, any, any verses that are significant to you? Or? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, two, two, two things I would say. I mean, firstly, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, and you, know, you can work out how you translate it but I mean basically trusting the Lord your God with all your heart mm. and don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways listen to him and he will make your path straight and and I think just echoing what you were saying Micah in in every decision as a Christian in business I've always tried to do the right thing mm. and really with those verses at the back of my mind and a lot of the time at the front um, and I don't think that I've ever suffered, actually, from always trying to do the right thing, even though in the short term it might appear more, more attractive to take an easier route. The other thing I would say is the more I've learned about the person of Jesus and who he actually was, how he treated people with grace, how he turned the world upside down, how he modelled a new way of being human, I thought, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like some of that, <laughs> basically. Um, and re re really wanting, as, a, as I've said a couple of times before, to try and model a different way, a new way of being human, ha however poorly and imperfectly, um, you know, try, trying to model on Jesus a different way. Mm. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, thank you very much indeed, both of you, for... Uh really stimulating conversation and for much wisdom and insight which hopefully will appear in thank god it's wednesday soon 
Um, but I'm um, going to give you some gifts in a moment. But first of all, you have to go through the pain of a nine-question quiz. Hey. So, um, I think I'm going to come to you first on this one, oh. Micah. This, these are not complicated. So, <laughs> sweet or sour? Sweet. Spiced chickpea cauliflower tagine? I've been... Yeah, I had that. I mean, I'm pretty much a vegetarian now, so I have to go for the former. You have to go for the former. Yeah. Very good. Gospel of Mark, Gospel of John? John. Mm. Moses or David? Um, David. David. Yeah. Basketball or rugby? Oh, definitely basketball, yeah. Oh. Coaches basketball, <laughs> looking for talented people for the Maidstone Warriors, I think. <laughs> films or novels? <laughs> Uh, uh, let's go for films. Let's yeah. Go. Okay, here's a really difficult one. Lewis Capaldi or Kendrick Lamar? Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Okay. <laughs> one book you've really enjoyed this year. Doesn't have to be a Christian book, just a book you've enjoyed this year. Um, gosh. Probably Fooled by Randomness by Nicholas Nassim Taleb. Can you say that more loudly for me? Fooled by Randomness. Fooled by, by Randomness. Yes. By Taleb, yes. And... One thing you really like about Jesus? Um, like gentleness, I think. I, I could go into more, but I think gentleness, being able, so strong and supreme, yet the ability to meet us where we're at. Wonderful. Thank you. John, sweet or sour? Sour. Diet Coke or Chateau Mouton Rothschild 2016? <laughs> Chateau Mouton Rothschild. <laughs> Mark or John? Mark. Esther or Ruth? Book of. Uh, Ruth. Has to be. Your yeah. wife's name is Ruth. <laughs> You've got to get that one right. France or Italy? Italy. Films or novels? Both. Oof, don't, don't get that option. You've got to choose. You've got to uh, choose. Novels. Novels, okay. Daniel Craig or Sean Connery? Daniel Craig. Oh. One, one book you've really enjoyed this year. Doesn't have to be a the... Christian book again. <laughs> Well, there, there, there were a series of three books on um, Damien Seeker, the Seeker series, historical fiction by S.G. McLean. Oh, historical fiction. Of course, you were a historian. Indeed. And one thing you really like about Jesus, it can be the same thing you said before, but... Yeah, I, I think piercing insight. Piercing insight. Mm. Praise God. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much to our two guests who've reminded thank us you. of how God does indeed walk through us at, all through our careers and at the beginning of our careers as well. Thank you for your wisdom, insight and, and your openness and vulnerability, transparency. Um, I wonder how the Lord has been with you and whether as you reflect on what we've heard today, you might think about reflecting on how God has been with you and how you might want to share that with other people to encourage them, how you want might want to be indeed more emotionally open with him and with others. And if you have some stories um, to tell about how God has acted, it's so encouraging for our brothers and sisters to hear them. And of course, we at LICC, we love to hear those stories. So feel free to pop them on the comments at the end or get in touch with us. And if you're looking for some stuff on work, whole life discipleship, scuttle over to the LICC website, www.licc.org.uk. There is oodles of good stuff, oodles of good stuff. Um, now your presents, and then I'm gonna, so here we have, because it, this is the Thank God It's Monday <laughs> podcast,
guess what you get. You get. Oh, that was the book I was actually thinking of. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that was the book you were actually thinking of. How sweet of you to say that. Thank you. Uh, this is unsigned, undedicated, so you can give it to somebody else or sell it on eBay. And uh, similarly for you, this is Thank the very you. latest Thank edition, you. number five. I wasn't thinking of it. No, you weren't thinking of it. Honesty, you see, honesty. There you go. Even old friends, they betray you. They betray you. And because this is LICC, there is always chocolate. Thank you. And these are, well, other brands are available, yeah. but these red orbs of sweetness are there to remind us all. John doesn't like sour, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sweet, also, sorry. <laughs> to remind us, like the red dots in, yeah. in the LICC logo, yeah. that what a high and great privilege it is to serve the Lord wherever he places us. Amen. Amen to that. So, as we close... If you are in need of wisdom this day, may the Lord give you wisdom from above that is pure and sweet. If you need strength and perseverance, may he, the one who sends his spirit, the spirit that raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, may that spirit strengthen and empower you this day and in the coming days. And if you're in need of peace, the Lord is near. May he grant you that peace that we've heard about, that passes understanding and that comes from the Prince of Peace, our King, who gave his life for you and walks with you moment by moment, hour by hour, in all that you do. May it be so. Thanks for listening.